welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is michael parks from spire investment properties welcome michael hey rama nice to hear your voice thanks for being on the show a little bit about michael through his company spire investment properties michael has built a robust network of real estate professionals for sourcing and operating great real estate investment opportunities for people in his spire real estate investing group using strong analytical skills technology and a conservative approach michael evaluates risk to identify wise investments that maximize returns while preserving capital michael has been involving in multifamily vacation rentals hotels and commercial office office logistics and senior living assets for over 10 years with that michael would you like to add anything to your background uh sure thanks rama so at this point i'm primarily focused on large multifamily syndications i took a long road to get here as you mentioned i i've bought and rented a vacation home for many years i've bought 20 buy and hold apartments up here in new england where i'm based and i started two retail franchise businesses and i've worked for large publicly traded reits that managed over 30 billion in assets and so you know i've done all these things and because i was constantly seeking successes that would allow me to happy. I know we're going to talk a lot about apartment investing here today, but for me, apartments are as much as I like them, it's about a means to an end, and that end is to create freedom of choice of how I spend my time and doing the things that truly make us happy. And so my mission at this point is to show everybody the way to use apartment investing and passive investing in particular in a way to create income that allows us not to have the frustrations of Wall Street with the stock market ups and downs or relying on on your job for income if those are the only ways you can uh, achieve a feeling of financial security uh, it's very hard to feel happiness that you can control your time that you can control where you work what you do and to do the things that are most important to you so that's where i'm at at this point is helping people to achieve that same level of financial security and success and happiness awesome thanks for sharing that so how did you go from technology leader to owning hair salons to investing in apartment buildings yeah it sounds crazy right so i started my career in technology working for one of the world's largest technology consulting companies and you know started out coding software moving up to running teams and ultimately uh running very large software implementations for fortune 500 companies uh with hundreds of people on the teams and you know early on in my career that was exciting and at, as i continued to grow and have success it actually became more of a grind you know it was great when it was like the next thing was is the next cool technology or was the next big accomplishment or the next big challenge and then at some point it was like well here goes another one <laughs> and at that point that's when i said i really would like to find a way to control my own destiny where i can achieve that financial security uh to create that freedom of choice and so i looked at a lot of different options and this is about 12 or 12 years ago and ultimately i wanted to start my own business and i worked with a business consulting consultant that helped me look at purchasing businesses purchasing franchises and i chose to open two great clips hair salons and so how do i go to hair salon right i mean that sounds crazy from technology and the reason was i wanted to be in a business i could work 
on and not in. And if that makes sense, you know, there's no way that I'm going to start cutting hair. And if I'm, I'm not going to cut hair, now I'm working on the business aspects of that. So finding and sourcing the real estate, building the marketing plans, hiring the staff, you know, building out the operations and ultimately getting those, those two profitable. And, and I did that with two and my intent was to do, was to do many more than two. And so I was going down that path and uh, finding the next set of real estate that was going to work economically became challenging. And the other thing I found is that even though I couldn't get in there and cut hair, finding really great staff, which is the key to a good hair salon business, is a pretty intense job. So I found myself, in addition to working technology during the day, spending my night working on the hair salon. And to get to a scale where I needed to be, the road the road was going to be quite long. It was going to be another five to seven years before I could scale up enough where, where I made that my business. I was lucky enough that the, the hair salons were in great demand. And so I was able to sell them and sell them profitably and move on to, to the next piece of my career. So that's how I got into and out of the hair salon. Awesome. Awesome. So why have chosen to focus on large multifamily properties? Yeah. So then how did I get into real estate? I guess that was the second part of your question there, Rama. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and I've always, you know, I've always had an interest in real estate since I was, I was, you know, younger in my career. But at when I, at this point, I started working for large publicly traded REITs, so real estate investment trusts that owned commercial office space, logistics space, hotels, senior living assets. And, and so I really got a, a huge education in how to do commercial real estate, do it at great scale, uh, be successful with it. And it, and it was clear to me that that was, an excellent opportunity to go build a business around. So with that, that's where I started saying to myself, how do I go and get into real estate? And certainly it's very tough to think about as an individual all of a sudden starting a, a, a read with, with millions and billions, billions of dollars. So uh, I think I did what a lot of people do. Listen to a lot of podcasts, but you know, bigger pockets in particular. I think everybody knows that one. Rama, you weren't around, but I would have listened to yours too. I would at the time. And so looking at listening to all those podcasts, you know, it was time to to start. I was in a position where I had some money to invest. And I found an area within New England that had um, good economics. The, the price per door and the rents worked out that you could create cash flow. And that's a tough thing to do up in New England, but I did find a pocket that worked. And we can talk a little bit at some point if you want about, about how I went about that. But ultimately, I, I, I bought 20 apartments out there. I still own them. They're, they're doing relatively well. And then you run, at least I ran out of money at that point, right? So how, what do you do? when you, you know, and I still have more to invest, but at some point you run out of money and you can't continue to just buy your own apartments, at least at, to scale it up to, to where you want to. And so that's where I've now transitioned into group investing. And I know, as you know, Rama, we're talking about multifamily syndication. So bringing groups of, of investors together to go buy assets that any one of us probably couldn't buy on our own. So 100 unit apartment complexes, for instance, and be able to buy them in areas of the country that work economically. Many of us live on the coast. Uh, the coasts are not impossible, but often a 
difficult place to find good economics for apartment investing. And the great thing about multifamily syndications is you're able to invest in areas that work economically, that get you good returns on your money, that are you know in areas that are growing and have the demographics that, that you expect would preserve and even appreciate value over time. And so I think that is probably the best way to get into it. If I had to go back and uh, do it over, I probably would not go buy those 20 apartments. I would have started with multifamily syndication. And now I found that and that's where I'm at today. Right. Awesome. So and what are your focus markets and what is the reason? Yeah. So for multifamily syndication, I am focused in Kansas City. I think that's an excellent market. I also have found Atlanta to have areas that work pretty well. And I've spent a, a good deal of time in looking at and working with brokers in Tampa and Orlando, which is kind of, it's sort of one market there. Tampa, Orlando, and everywhere in between, relatively close to each other. And then up here in Boston, I certainly look for some hometown opportunities as I know the area really well. I think Boston's challenging. There's a lot of institutional money up here and pretty low cap rates. So it, it's tough to find something here. But, but I like Kansas City. I like Atlanta. I like Tampa, Orlando. Um, and there's really a lot of good markets out there. Uh, so for me, the key is that I find partners that are very intimate with the markets of interest. So um, I may be focused on Kansas City, Atlanta, Tampa, Orlando, but I'm working with partners that are focused in other areas like Knoxville, Tennessee, um, certain areas in Texas. So, you know, I think that's really important. A lot of times there's people doing multifamily syndication and they're looking at, you know, an asset or an opportunity on paper from a broker and they don't know the area. And that can, you know, that can be very dangerous. I think it's really important that somebody in that general partner team that's running the syndication needs to know the city or, or the area extremely well, the market, the submarket. And so right now I'm continuing to build out my partners in desirable submarkets that I would work with and um, and give the opportunities to them. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, those are great markets, Michael. So why is now a good time to invest in real estate? Or multifamily. Yeah, why is now a good time to invest in real estate? You know, it's an interesting time to invest in real estate, right? We, with this pandemic going on, I think the data that I'm seeing shows that we haven't seen the impact of the pandemic as much as I think many people would have expected as it relates to rents and rent collections. With that said, I think, and I think many people think at this point, we will see that over the next year. We're going to start to see some vacancy go up. We're going to see some rents coming down or at least staying flat, maybe not coming down. And it's all very market dependent. Getting in the right markets is, is key. So is the opportunity today? I think there is if the deal is, is properly underwritten. So when we say underwritten, if the business plan for the deal accounts for the fact that the future is uncertain, but maybe more likely to be flat to negative in the short term, if that's accounted for in the business plan of the property, you can find deals that work today. And I think the deals that are going to come to the table over the next year are going to be deals that we haven't seen in, in quite a long time. So there are some syndicators that over the past years have been extremely aggressive in purchasing assets with some very aggressive assumptions in their business plan. Um, and what do I mean by it? So for me, one of the key things I look at is the debt structure. And I like to purchase assets where you have a long runway 
before you have to refinance the asset at like 10 or 12 years. And that way it gives you the opportunity to sell or refinance at any time along the way when you, the market conditions are right. There's a whole number of deals that, that have been had where it might only have a, a one-year bridge loan or a two-year bridge loan or a five-year total you know, term. And then you end up being in a place, let's say somewhere in the next few years where you have to go refinance. And that's all fine and well, as long as interest rates continue to stay lower to lower. However, think about being in a place in two years, if you have to refinance and interest rates may be high, your cap rates may be going higher, which means your value of your property is going lower. Now you can't refinance for the same, the same amount because the value of your asset has decreased. So I think it's really important that when you invest, you invest with a debt structure that gives a lot of flexibility to be able to, to sell or refinance at the right time for the asset based on the market conditions. And ultimately, I think those people that got very aggressive a few years ago may be in that position. And we may see a number of deals coming on the market that we would not have seen or even thought of coming uh, six months ago. Right. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. So how is technology affecting apartment rentals? Yeah, it's interesting. I think um, it's a number of ways right now. Uh, and I think we see it mostly in class A and mostly in larger apartment buildings. And that's where it's starting. So many of you, many people have thought that, you know, real estate and technology, how, how do they how do they go together? And real estate has been lagging in the technology adoption overall for many years. And that tide has turned. In fact, there is so much venture capital money going into real estate technology funds that we are seeing that kind of an explosion of uh, technology startups with innovative ways to use technology uh, in all commercial real estate. And I would say that the two mega trends I see are one around automation, building automation. So how are we going to real-time capture data around uh, utility usage, whether it's water, electric, all the HVAC stuff? How do we capture that in real-time and maybe even tying it into occupancy and things like that to make adjustments so that you can, one, find problems, you know, mechanical problems early and fix them before you get giant giant bills that you weren't expecting, um, which tends to be the way you traditionally catch it is you get, uh, you know, a water bill that's seven times what it used to be. And you go, oh my God, I must have a leak. So catch them early and fix those problems. And then two, making real-time adjustments such that you can really optimize your utility usage. And then I, I would add, you know, solar and, and other alternative energy as part of that strategy around maximizing, reducing your costs of, of utilities and, and other green initiatives. So that's kind of one mega trend. The other one is around services. And I think we're going to see this. It's starting, I think we're going to see it explode really across the board, which is think about what hotels have done in terms of service, right? When you go there to a hotel, particularly a nice hotel, it's not just a room, it's everything at your fingertips, whether that's, you know, room service, concierge service, booking services, et cetera. And so what we're seeing, particularly in class A, is people want those same services at home. They want cleaning services, they want concierge services, they want, uh, you know, food deliveries and discounts, uh, for food deliveries. And so the tenant experience is going to move from, you know, the, the old fashioned knock on, knock on the door of the, uh, 
uh, of the property manager to uh, everything through an app and uh, everything on demand and creating a unique digital experience for your tenants. So I think that those areas, although starting in the in the class A, I think we're going to see them start to move through all the apartments, all the classes over the next five years. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. So are you started implementing any of these into your properties, Michael? Yeah, you know, uh, some, I would say my personal properties right now, I have not. It is on my roadmap to look at. Um, and again, it's starting in class A and I'm not currently invested in class A. But it's on my roadmap to go uh, work on. I can say that at the REITs that I worked at, these were things that we were definitely moving forward with. Yeah, awesome. So can you tell me about your best apartment investing experience so far? Yeah, so it's relatively new. I'm a passive investor in 126 units just outside of Atlanta. I think I call this my best experience because it is exactly the type of investment that creates that freedom of choice. It creates that, that I no longer have to rely on the job or the stock market and the volatility there for money. So it's a passive investment. It's in a market that has huge 20% employment growth. The asset's relatively new. It was built in 1999. And what I love about this deal is that even it was an asset that was built with a tax credit being a key component to it. And so we've got a property that is relatively new in relatively good condition. It's been managed to keep costs as low as possible because there was limits on where the rents could go. And at this point, that is no longer the case. The property can be repositioned to whatever we want to make it. And it's got all the bones of a class A property. It just needs to get updated, right? So we're talking about renovations that take it from good to great, both with in the units as well as you know all the common areas uh, it's got you know pools it's got great amenities but you know it's taking it to the next level so all the bones are there so I, I love the business plan on it and then on this one we're also doing a number of green initiatives too to drive some efficiencies so green initiatives around water usage in particular with all moving to all low flow everywhere another thing I really like about it I mentioned the debt structures earlier is this does have long-term, and when I say long-term in this case, it's it's like 20 years left on the assumable debt at, at a relatively low interest rate. So talk about flexibility to get out of this or refinance it or really be able to have the flexibility to do what you want to with the asset over time. The desk, this debt structure is fantastic. So all of those things together make, you know, I think this has the makings of, of an absolutely fantastic opportunity. And the returns are expected to be, you know, excellent in the double digits too. And I think returns is probably the last thing I look at. The return's going to be there, but you could make a return, say anything you want in your business plan, your underwriting. The question is, can you execute on it? And did you underwrite it to a plan that makes sense? And I think this plan makes a tremendous amount of sense. Awesome. So would you like to share any of your worst apartment investing experience? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know that I've had the uh, the crash and burn experience that maybe would be a lot of fun to talk about. I, I would say my worst experience is probably the missed opportunities I've had. And and so I would go, <laughs> this is probably my, my largest regret in my apartment journey and, and ultimately what I was trying to achieve around happiness. So when I first graduated from college, I, I stayed at home with my parents for another couple of years. I was able to save some money. I was traveling a lot. So I wasn't 
wasn't there all that much. And I was, I saved up enough money for a down payment on a house. And my intention was completely to go buy a two, three or four family house that I could live in some part, rent some part. I think the term these days, we call it as house hacking. And I was out, you know, looking at, at places to do that, running numbers, building my own spreadsheets. And this is back, I think, I'm not sure everybody even had had uh, spreadsheets and models and everything the way they do today. So I was very close to purchasing a place. And at that point, my now wife and I decided to get engaged. And she looked at me and said, you are crazy. You are absolutely crazy. You think that you're going to leave me Monday through Thursday, go do your job, and the tenants are going to come to me when they have a problem? She's like, I'm not dealing with that. And so, you know, that kind of put an end to it there. We, we didn't know about professional property management. I'm not sure that professional property management's so much of a thing, at least in the areas that I was in, as it is today. And yeah, I didn't see a way forward with me being out of town. I couldn't go fix things. Uh, you know, I'm pretty handy. I, I couldn't couldn't answer any of those phones, but I just didn't see how that was going to work. Okay. So that was probably my, that decision alone delayed me starting my career in real estate by 10 years. Got it. So one advice that impacted you, Michael. Yeah. So, I mean, well, basically it, it maybe put real estate kind of in the back burner for 10 years. You know, that's when I, I went down the path of, of other things, including the hair salons. And yeah, I think that's probably the biggest impact is the delay in starting my career. I'd also say I had another missed opportunity too. You know, you know now, now that I think about what I did do during that time after I bought the house as I went and said, all right, well, you know, I'd love to have the ability to go to a vacation home up in the mountains here in New England, love to snow ski. And so I did go purchase a vacation home with the thought of, well, I'll just rent it out most of the time. It will pay for itself. And I did do that. What I found was what I really wanted was a vacation, not, not necessarily the vacation home because the vacation home came with it you know, a whole bunch of extra work to get it rented to, you know, deal with the fact that every time I went up there, something else was broken or missing. You know, it was very hard to maintain it as a home and then also rent it. And it was, it was certainly more work than I was anticipating. And so I, I think if I had to do that over, I would have taken that money and figured out how to invest it in an apartment and then take the income and go on vacation right instead. Okay. So any one book that impacted your life and what way? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go probably a little off, off topic on real estate. I think the book that impacted me most is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Franklin Covey. And I just think that these seven habits, and there's a few in here particularly that that I, I love, that is just, it's ingrained in everything I do. So seven habits, some of the ones I love the best is begin with the end in mind. And I think that is super important in apartment investing is you don't jump in without knowing what you're going to do. What is the end you're trying to achieve? How do you look at an opportunity and figure out where you can add value and how that's going to wind up in the end and then build a plan to get there. So beginning with the end in mind is important. And then I think it's important for to be proactive, to get out in front of uh, a number of different uh, real estate opportunities and make sure you're pursuing them all very effectively. And then ultimately, the right ones will drop out of the bottom as, as the best options. Awesome. So how are you giving back to community? Yeah, so I'm, I'm starting an educational series that's available on my website. Um, SpireInvestmentProperties.com. And so signing up to uh, join my investor group, I will begin to send out the educational series to everybody so that they can also um, learn from my experiences and take years off their life's journey. Awesome. So how can listeners can connect with you? 
Michael. Connect. Yes. So um, my website, fireinvestmentproperties.com. And if you want to hear more about you know, the secrets to real estate investing that I've uncovered to live life on your own terms, go to fireinvestmentproperties.com forward slash secret. Awesome. Thank you, Michael. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Rama. It's been great. Have a great day. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.